Welcome to the next message from Encounter Church. For more information about our church, visit us online at EncounterPGH.com. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the message. So we are going to continue on with our Puzzled series. This is a little mini-series that we started last week. And um, the main focus of this is that sometimes uh, things aren't always what they seem to be. And we talked about that a little bit last week, and we're going to focus on it again this week, that sometimes things aren't always as they seem. And I don't know about you if you've ever experienced something like that where you think that um, you have an expectation of how something's going to turn out and it goes the complete opposite. Uh, I was thinking, I was trying to think of a story to explain this situation. I was reminded of a time, I was probably 15 or 16, and my brother was home from college. Uh, I think it was like summer break or something like that. And I had come downstairs and walked into our kitchen, and I saw him examining this jar. And I asked him, I said, you know, what, what are you doing? What's, what's in the jar? And he goes, oh, well, it's some special chocolate that dad brought home from work. And I didn't think anything of it because it wasn't uncommon. My dad worked in a men's rehabilitation program, and so oftentimes they'd get stuff donated and we'd get to have some of it at home. So I thought, oh, that's cool, special chocolate. Awesome. And he goes, you want to try some? And I thought, sure, why not? I mean, you I, normally in a normal situation, I would question my brother because he's my brother and, you know, it's mission in life of your older brother to torture you. And normally I would have questioned, well, what's in the jar? Is it really? I would have examined it but he had me at chocolate. And so instantly I was like, yes, I want this special chocolate. And if it comes in this fancy jar, it must be extra amazing. And so he opens the jar and I grab a spoon and I just stick it in there, put it right in my mouth, and then instantly realize it was nowhere near chocolate. And then I run to the sink and I spit it out and he's laughing hysterically and I grab the jar and I read caviar. And if any of you have ever had caviar, and if you like caviar, no offense, but it was disgusting. It's salty, and the texture is disgusting, nowhere near chocolate at all. But it was one of those situations where I thought one thing, tried it, and it was not at all what it seemed to be. And this is how life can be in our situations in life. We live in situations that things happen to us, and they become puzzling, and we're not sure you know, why we're going through different situations, why they're happening to us. And it can be similar to a puzzle. And that's why this series is called Puzzled, because life can often seem like a puzzle. So um, a couple years ago, um, my brother-in-law, Scott, came into the family and we started going on vacation. And we go on one big family vacation every year. And uh, Scott and I discovered that we had something in common that the rest of the family didn't, and that's that we both grew up loving puzzles. And so we had found a puzzle in the house, and we decided, you know what, hey, we're going to put this together. And so we started, set all these tables up, and even like created this hazard zone where no children or pets were allowed anywhere near this table because it was puzzle table time. And so as we began doing this puzzle, we kind of started a conversation, you know, how do you put it together a puzzle? And we both established that you start with the border. And so we're like, okay, we're good. Like we can do these puzzles together because we start with a border. And everybody does puzzles differently. Some arrange them by color groups. Um, if you're, you know, one of those who likes to do colors to me, I don't know how that would work, but I've, I've heard of people doing it. 
Some do like Scott and I where we establish the border. And then there's others like pretty much everyone else in our family who is like, I'm not doing a puzzle. And why would you want to spend hours on vacation sitting at a table staring at a puzzle? For me and Scott, it's relaxing. We enjoy it. But the thing about a puzzle is you can only get so far. You can set up the border, and you can usually typically do that without any help because they just kind of fit together. But when you get to the center of a puzzle, you need a little help, and that's why we have the box top, which kind of helps us. It's our roadmap. It explains to you and shows you what it's supposed to look like so you can look at the pictures and figure it out. And we did a really crazy puzzle last year that if it wasn't for the box top, I don't think we would have been able to finish it Uh, But it was really cool. I tried to find a picture. I couldn't find one. But we did a 90s-themed puzzle last year. But you need that box top. It becomes kind of your roadmap um, for how you do the puzzle. And that's similar to life and why we have the Bible. The Bible is our roadmap. It helps us to know how to figure out the puzzles, the hardships in life. And so that's what this series is about. It's about focusing on... You know, when we're in puzzled situations, how can we overcome them? Because things aren't always as they seem, but we have help within those puzzles of life. And so our theme verse for this series is found in 1 Corinthians 13, 12. And it says this, now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely just as God knows me completely. And if you can sense the theme here, the now and then. And this is similar to our lives where we, we get in, find ourselves in puzzling situations where it's, we're in this now moment of why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this situation When am I going to come out of it? Why would God even put me in a situation like this? I don't know what to do. I'm so confused. I'm so frustrated. And so then we shift to, well, I can't wait till the then when things get better, when I don't have to worry about the now anymore, but instead, then it'll be better. Then my situation will change. And so we focus on the sense of the then, when things are going to get better. And there's a really great illustration of this now and then situation in the Bible. And this is a very, it's a classic story. It's probably one of the top 10 Bible stories that's told over and over and over again, whether you grew up in the church or you're new to church, I'm sure you've heard of this story. And it's the story of Jesus walking on water and Jesus calming the storm. But we're going to take a different look at it today. And we're going to take it from a different spin this morning. And so just to give a little recap of of this story, so before this had happened, uh, Jesus had just spoken to the crowd of 5,000 people. He was up on the mount. He had, you know, spent hours with these people. We had seen a miracle of him multiplying food to feed the hungry people that were in this crowd. And so now we're going to pick up at the end of that after he's preached to the people, after he's come down from the mount. And so we're going to go to Matthew 14, 22 through 30. If you guys want to turn to your Bibles, if you have the Bible app, um, we have uh, Bibles free at the Connection Center if you're interested. And then we also have it on the screen here so you can follow along. So Matthew 14, 22 through 30. And we're going to kind of break it apart as we go through it. So we'll start at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up to the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone, and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. 
So here, just a little recap of this. So Jesus has just gotten done preaching to 5,000 people. I'm sure he's pretty exhausted, and the disciples have had a busy day. They've seen Jesus do miraculous miracles, and he says, you know what, guys? I want you to get in your boat, and you go ahead and and head across the sea, and I'll meet you on the other side in a little while. I'm going to make sure that the crowd disperses. I'm going to take a minute, take a breath. I like to think Jesus was an introvert because you hear him. He needs time by himself. Um, But so Jesus says, you know what? I'm going to go, and I'm going to meet you on the other side. Go ahead. Get in the boat. Go. I'll catch up with you later. And so the disciples get in this boat, and this boat's not like an ark. It's not like the gateway clipper. This is like a little fishing boat that you've got the 12 disciples in. It's a wooden boat. It's nothing fancy. And they make their way across the sea. But then a storm comes, and that's, that tells us that in verse 24, that the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, and it was buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. So the waves are just crashing against this boat. And I like to know facts. I like to know details. And so I'm thinking, well, why didn't they just turn around and come back? And, you know, scripture, sometimes you have to do a little bit of research. You have to go into the commentary of it and find out what historians have found out to get a full, you know, capture of what's happening here. And so I looked into this. In a considerable distance, what what it was figured is that they were about three to four miles outside of the shore, which in water, that's a long distance. And they're in this boat. It's not like they have a propeller to get them back. And the wind is just, and waves are just blowing them further and further away. They don't have a way to really get back. They can only paddle, but the storm is crazy around them. And then it says that Jesus comes to them later in the story. He comes to them during the fourth watch, which is right before dawn. So if you think about this, Jesus was preaching on the mount, 5,000 people. They had fed them dinner. And in that story, it tells you that it was late and that the disciples were like, we need to send everyone home so they can go home and eat. And Jesus is like, no, they're here. Let's feed them. So it was past dinner time. They're in this storm. And before Jesus connects with them later on in the story at the boat, it is close to during fourth watch. So that means that the disciples have been in this boat in the storm, in the middle of the sea for about nine hours that they've been dealing with this storm. That's crazy. Can you imagine that? Nine hours you're in this storm. There's no top over their boat, so they're taking on water. It's a crazy storm. And so they're freaking out. They're like, why are we here? What are you doing, Jesus? You told us to get in the boat. We came in the boat because you asked us to get in the boat. And where are you? You're off taking a nap. You're off praying. What are you doing? We're here. We came with you. And now you've left us stranded in this boat. Have you ever felt like you knew that God was asking you to do something? Like you were for sure that God asked you to do something. You know, maybe it was God asked you to start a business and it's a lot harder than you thought it was going to be and things just aren't working out. Maybe God told you he wanted you to be a parent or he wanted you to go to school and things aren't quite working out exactly the way you thought they would. Maybe God asked you to restore a relationship and that relationship is still just hurting you deeply. Maybe it's your health. Maybe there's something with your health and you felt like God told you you would find healing and instead you're just living in that pain. And so you're living in that storm. And that's how the disciples felt. They were living in this storm. Jesus told them, go in the boat, go. I'll be there. I'll catch up with you later. But instead, they're in the middle of the storm. They're struggling. They're frustrated. But did Jesus abandon the disciples? We're going to pick up at verse 25. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. 
When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. So let's recap this. So the, the disciples, Jesus told them to get on a boat. They get on a boat. They're miles out. The storm is crazy around them. Like some of these storms we've had recently where their boat's taking on water. The waves are crashing. They're pulling out. They don't know what's happening. They're probably thinking they're going to die. And now they see a ghost. So now not only are, is the storm around them crazy, but now the storm on the inside is starting to swell up where they're starting to feel anxiety and fear and worry. What's going to happen? What's going on? And so the storm on the inside of their hearts is, is starting to take control to where now it's not just the storm around them, but it's the storm within them. But Jesus calms the storm within the disciples. So we pick up at verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. So here Jesus sees the storm within their soul, the storm that's happening on the inside. He sees, you know what, they're terrified. The anxiety, the fear, the worry is just creeping in, it's taking over. And so Jesus takes a moment and decides to calm the storm on the inside. And he says, take courage, be brave. I, don't be afraid, I am here, I am with you. He takes that moment and calms the storm. This can happen within us too, where we end up in a situation and things may just be crashing down all around us, but then it's the storm on the inside that starts to take over, where it's the fear, the anxiety, the worry, the what ifs. How am I going to get through this? How am I going to overcome this? What's going to happen? And, it, and the problems on the inside, the storms on the inside of our hearts become bigger than the storm on the outside because then we're so worried about everything that oftentimes we forget about the storm on the outside because it just becomes about dealing with the feelings and the emotions that we're feeling. And so our big idea, our big point today is this. Sometimes God will calm the storm in your soul before he calms the storm of your circumstance. Sometimes God will calm the storm in your soul before he calms the storm of your circumstance. No storm is too big for Jesus. He will find you in any storm you're in, no matter how big, no matter how small, whether it's something with your finances, your relationship, your job, your schooling. He will always find you. There's never a storm that's too big for him. Jesus hadn't forgotten about his disciples. He knew where his disciples were. He knew his disciples were on this boat. He knew that there was going to be a storm, which may seem, well, that's a little unfair. Why would Jesus put them in this situation? Because Jesus used the storm as a footpath to work on their fear and anxiety on the inside. And that's a lot of times when Jesus, when there's a storm around us, he uses those moments to heal us from the inside, to heal things that maybe we weren't even aware were, we, were really creating borders and, and you know creating these walls to separate us from Jesus. So he used that storm. He calmed the storm within them and used it, the storm on the outside as a footpath to connect with the disciples. And there is purpose in our storms. We go through situations, and even in that moment when it seems so overwhelming, like we can't overcome these moments, he uses those storms. He uses those moments. Let's continue on to verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied. So Peter, I love Peter. He's one of my favorite disciples because I, I just think he's so down to earth. Like I can relate to Peter because 
He doubts, he questions, he's unsure, but he wants so desperately to be connected with Jesus. And so we see Peter here, and he's like, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come out to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter goes down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And I love this about Peter because I think he's so relatable to all of us where we want to have this direct connection with, with God, with Jesus. And sometimes we're like, yeah, okay, I see you, Jesus, I'm coming. And then we see the storm around us and we start to sink a little bit and we get distracted. Peter had come and he stepped out of the boat and his faith was at like max level. But then he started to let the doubt and fear creep in and he started to sink because his faith had reached its limit in that moment. But here's the thing about Jesus is Jesus will follow us along and when our faith reaches its limit and we think that we have no more, that's when Jesus picks us up and carries us and helps us get to that next step. And I love this about Peter. So we're going to skip forward a little bit later. Obviously, Peter You've heard this story before. Peter, you know, comes out of the storm okay, and, and Peter is still part of the story. He doesn't drown in the sea that day because he's got a lot more of his story to fulfill. But I want to skip forward into Peter. Peter has two books in the Bible that he tells about his journey with Jesus. And we're going to fast forward to 1 Peter 1, 6 through 7. So right at the beginning of Peter's story, he's talking about his situation, his life. And he says this in verse 6, in all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus is revealed. I love this. So Peter's on the flip side of this, and he's telling people, you know what? I've had to go through trials. I went through the worst of the worst. I almost died. Like, I was in the water. I was drowning. I was going to be in the bottom of the sea. But you know what? I overcame that, and we have trials, and we have circumstances, but we can overcome them because Jesus is with us. And I love that. And I just wanted to point that part out because I think it's so important that, you know, we have to remember when we're in our storms, when we're in our difficult places, we have to remember the times that we've come through. We have to remember the stories that we've heard of other people. And that's why Peter is sharing his story. He's saying, you know what? I've been there. I've been in this storm, but you know what? I came out on the other side of it, and it's a better place to be. So now we're going to go back to Matthew 14 and pick up in our story. Verse 31, immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. So this is the part of the story that a lot of us don't think about. And that's this place where the storm has happened it's still going on. When Peter is walking out on the water to Jesus, the storm is still raging. And Peter climbs out. He's going towards Jesus, and he starts to sink because he loses sight of his faith. And then they get back into the boat, and the storm calms. A lot of times when we think of the miracle of this story, we think of Jesus walking on water, and that's the amazing miracle. But what I love about this story is that Jesus didn't say a word. He got into the boat, and the storm stopped. And that's because in our lives, the storm often passes when it has served its purpose. The storm happened because Jesus needed to have that encounter with the disciples to calm the storm within their soul. 
The storm happened because Jesus needed to have that encounter with Peter and to encourage Peter, I'm here. Even when you lose sight of your faith and you lose sight of me, I'm here to lift you up and move forward. So those storms pass when they've served their purpose. And it doesn't always feel that way when we're in the middle of the storm. But sometimes Jesus uses those storms around us so that he can speak into us. And then verse 33, when those who were in the boat worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Why is this part important? The disciples have, for years, they've been following Jesus. They'd seen him heal people. They'd seen him multiply little bits of food to feed 5,000 people. They'd seen lepers be healed of the boils and wounds on them. They had seen these people who are just dead come back to life. They've seen all of that. But this is the first time that they had ever, am I in your way? Okay. The first time that they had ever in one unison voice declared that Jesus is Lord and had made that step to say, you know what? We know that you truly are the one who can save us, that you truly are with us during all situations, during all circumstances. There is purpose in our pain. There's purpose in our doubt. There's purpose in our anxiety, in the situations that we go through. And we go through those situations so that Jesus can give us that extra boost of faith, so that he can speak within us. Because if it wasn't for those storms, we would be stuck in the hardship, in the hardship, in the heartbreak, in the frustration. We would be stuck in a place of desperation. And so we go through these storms so that we can come out on the other side stronger, just like Peter said, I came out, I'm stronger, I'm better, I'm closer to Jesus now because of that storm, because he saved me, because he reached out when I cried to him. What's the storm for you? What's the storm going on in your life? Maybe it's work. Maybe your work situation seems impossible. Maybe it's a relationship that just feels like it's failing, that it's just hurting so deeply. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe your marriage just isn't where it should be. Maybe you're drowning in an addiction, whether it's an addiction that people see or it's an addiction that you hide where no one can see. Maybe it's your health. Maybe you feel like your health has betrayed you, that you're having health issues and you feel like, why am I going through this? Why do I have to feel this way? Maybe you feel like the waves of bad news just keep crashing on you and you don't know how to get through it. It just keeps building and building and building on itself. Before we close out, I want to share a story with you um, about my own life. Last week, Jared shared a story about um, a couple years ago, I guess it was about nine years now, that we lived in another area of town and our car had been stolen and totaled. And he shared the story from his perspective. Um, and I wanted, I wanted to share it again, but I wanted to share it about how it affected me and how it was the waves that crashed on me from, from this situation. So our car, um, Jared was out of town on business and um, I was at home with the kids and Kylie lived with us at the time as well. She just graduated from college and I had woken up a normal day and was getting ready to go for work. And I go out to get in my car and realize that my car is gone and go through this panic. Financially, we were in a really difficult place. And so, you know, I, I just didn't know what had happened. I thought, well, we've been making our car payments, so it couldn't have gotten repoed. But I, I was trying to call Jared. He's, he's in Atlanta. 
and I can't get a hold of him and I don't know his room number and I'm calling, you know, the front desk and I finally get a hold of him. I'm like, we've, we've paid our car, right? Like it didn't get like taken. And he's like, no, our car's been fine. And I'm looking for, you know, the mark when your car gets towed and there's usually a mark on the road and looking for that, can't see it. And all this just anxiety starts to build up and I call the police and they come and they're like, well, explain the car. Like what, what kind of car was it? And I told him and he goes, oh yeah, like that, that's totaled. It's, it's in the rec yard now. And I was like, what, what do you mean it's totaled? And he goes, yeah, well, we thought that maybe you guys just wrecked it and left it or something. And I said, no, like I had no idea. And so someone had stolen our car, taken it two blocks down the road and smashed it into a cement wall. And not only just like smashed it, but rode up on the wall. So pretty much the car was almost split in half. Um, and, and I remember just falling to my knees on the ground and just crying. Like, how could this happen? How could this happen to us? God, you asked us to move to Pittsburgh. You asked me to leave the town that I had grown up in. You asked me to leave my family to move to Pittsburgh. Why is this happening to us? And because of some stupid decisions that we had made, we didn't have car insurance on the car because our finances were in just a terrible place. And so I knew that now we were left with a car that wasn't drivable and, and there was nothing we could do about it because we still owed on the car. And so going on with the story, I found myself in such a dark place because of this situation. I found myself... In, in a depression. But for me, my depression, my anxiety, my fear was hidden because I felt like I needed to portray something other than what I was feeling because we were in ministry and people looked up to me. I led a small group. How could I feel this darkness inside of me and still be this example? So not only did I live in this place of shame and guilt because of how I was feeling, but then I dealt with the anxiety. And it got so bad to where I would check the doors in the house multiple times a night. The first thing I would do when I would wake up is to make sure our other car was there. I would check on the kids throughout the night multiple times. I didn't sleep well. I was constantly just worried that something else was going to happen to me and to our family. And then a couple months later, I was picking up the kids from school and someone broke into our garage and stole all of our bikes. And so to me, that was just this moment of, God, what are you doing? Like, I, you asked us to be here. You promised to take care of us. I've read the Bible. I've prayed the prayers. You're supposed to take care of me. What are you doing? And I was so broken. I was filled with so much anxiety and fear. And it was hard because I didn't want anyone to know. And I don't even think my family knew how dark it was for me. And I even tried to hide it from Jared because I was so shamed that I was this person who was supposed to be so strong, but I was so broken on the inside. And I'd love to say that it lasted, you know, like a month or two, but it went on for about a year and a half of just being in this place of constantly looking over my shoulder. If something bad was going to happen, it was going to happen to me. It was going to happen to us because that's how I felt. I felt just so dark and alone. And I can remember this one day, we got an unexpected bill in the mail. It was like a $500 dental bill, and I just lost it. I was so mad. And I went down into our basement, and we had a treadmill down there, and I said, you know what, I'm just going to work off some of the anger. 
And I was on the treadmill, and I just got so frustrated, and I began to yell at God. And I, I remember just being so angry. How could you do this to me? How could you let this constantly happen to me? The Bible says that you love me, that you won't forsake me, but I feel like I'm forsaken. I feel like I'm lost. I feel like you're not present in my life anymore. What's going on? And I can remember in that moment just being so overwhelmed, and I just start crying, just crying so hard. And I can remember the Holy Spirit speaking to me and saying, let it go. Let it go. And I remember thinking, how can I let this go? You put me here. How am I supposed to let it go? All I feel is anxiety and fear. I worry about everything around me. I watch my back constantly. I check my doors. What's happening? I'm worried that someone's going to break in our house. The, just a, like a month before then, someone had been shot and murdered a street behind us. And so it was just all of these feelings. How can I let it go, God? How can I do that? And he said, just give me control. So I sat down on the treadmill and I just prayed and I said, God, I don't want this anymore. I can't deal with this storm outside and inside anymore. I need you. I need you to take this over. I know that you love me, but I don't feel it right now. So I need you to help me. And it wasn't instant. It wasn't like this moment of, oh, everything was better. And I suddenly got a check for $500 and the bill was paid and and the loan that we had to pay off you know, was just done. It wasn't like that, but the storm on the inside began to calm, and I felt hope again. I felt peace again. I felt my faith lifted up, and it was a journey. It wasn't like it was just like that, and I was better. It was a journey for years to remind myself that he has control, that he's there in the storm, and so I I share this story with you because maybe life's good right now, but there's storms that come. Whatever it is in your life, we all have different situations, but we have to let God have control of those situations and those storms in our lives. We have to know that the storm around us, those situations happened. I didn't like it, but you know what? It made me stronger, and I've come out of that with a story that I can share with people. I've come out of it knowing that God is with me in every circumstance, in every situation. He's with me, and he's there. And so he used that storm in my life that seemed impossible. He used it to turn so much more around. He turned our finances around because we paid more attention. He turned my anxiety into hope and to faith. He turned my worry into a story that I can share with others. So no matter what your storm is, no matter where you find yourself, know that God is in it, that he is faithful, that sometimes he uses those storms as footpaths to lead us to the next chapter of our lives. And he's always with you. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you call Encounter Church Home, or if you'd like to partner with us to support the work that God is doing here, you can take advantage of our online giving option. Just go to EncounterGiving.com. Also, stay up to date with us throughout the week by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at EncounterPGH. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.